How many gray hairs did Oklahoma football provide this week? We'll talk about it on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to today's episode of Locked on Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between the Oklahoma Sooners and the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Might be available for you on Sling, so go check it out. The TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it today. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh... Why, why does football have to hurt so much? <laughs> Boy, that is uh, a wide-ranging question, isn't it? That's a, a great place to start. No, it's uh, obviously a tough time to be an Oklahoma fan right now. What was the question you asked uh, right off the top? How many gray hairs did Oklahoma football provide this weekend? I'm guessing several for yeah. a lot of the Oklahoma fans out there because – you know, look, we, we'll break down the, the game itself and Green coming in and kind of winning the second half for West Virginia, all of that. Oklahoma's offense mysteriously going absent in uh, the first half. But to me, this was, and I'll tell you why in just a moment, John, but this was kind of the moment, right, that, look, there's no more excusing this or that away, right? There's no, hey, Dylan Gabriel was hurt this week or, you know, it's year one for Brent Venables. No, Oklahoma's officially a bad football team. Yeah, you can't really kind of wipe away any of it, like regardless of whether it's a young team or not, which I don't think it's as young as people are wanting to make it out to be. Uh, you do have some some starters at different positions that are young, but you have a pretty veteran offensive line. You've got a pretty veteran wide receiver group. Your secondary is led by Woody Washington, you know, uh, Josh, Nor- not Josh Norman. Uh, Jaden Davis, who's been around for a while, uh, you know, Billy Bowman. Yeah. He's a sophomore, but I mean, he started a lot of games for you played a lot with you last year and, you know, key Lawrence didn't play in this game. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, but Trey Morrison, he's played a lot of football, David Aguebu, Deshaun white, Jeffrey Johnson. I mean, Jalen Redmond, these guys have played a lot of football. They should be better than what they were. And so I, I don't really buy that this team is young excuse. I will say that they have some young players that they're having to play at times. Robert Spears Jennings due to injury, Jaron Canick, you know, we saw some good, we saw some bad, just overrunning on the, the, the fake punt uh, by West Virginia. And so, I mean, are there young players that are being given opportunities to play? Yeah. But I don't think that that's the big reason why they lost that game on Saturday. They just didn't execute well. Like the, the, I mean, we can start with the offense. I mean, I think that's probably the, the, place we should start because it was to me the most egregious issue on Saturday is you know your your passing attack was going up against a team that was 118th in the country in passing yards allowed West Virginia was allowing 276 passing yards per game this season not good Dylan Gabriel only threw for 190 yes it was a wet atmosphere it was raining but Dylan Gabriel having grown up in Hawaii and playing his college football in Florida it's hard for me to imagine he hadn't played in the rain before that it was that much of an impact 
for him in this passing attack that they couldn't get anything done. I mean, there were opportunities to hit big plays and he just missed Marvin Mims a couple of times. There was, you know, the big Marvin Mims drop at one point in time. There was a, a play where it looked like Drake Stoops and Marvin Mims were about to run right into each other. That was early in the game and Marvin Mims didn't go for the ball because he saw Drake Stoops flashing through and maybe he thought the ball was going to Drake. And I mean, that was just part of the the issues at on the offensive side of the ball. And some of it also stems from what I thought was a conservative game plan. I mean, their most effective plays were these wide receiver screens a lot of the time. And it, it, I mean, a great game from the offensive line. I felt like Dylan Gabriel had plenty of time. He wasn't under duress a ton. I mean, late in the game, I think they, you know, the, the West Virginia's off uh, defensive front started actually making some hay, but man, they were blowing things open for Eric Gray. And he had a fantastic performance, a wasted performance really by you know, running for 211 yards, like you shouldn't have a guy run for 200 yards and lose. That should not happen. In fact, it's only the eighth time in Oklahoma history that somebody has ran for 200 yards and lost. Only the third time since 2000. Joining since 2000, it was Adrian Peterson back in 2006 against Oregon and Rodney Anderson back at the end of the 2017 season in the Rose Bowl against Georgia that you had a runner run for 200 yards and a loss. And those were against pretty good teams, the Oregon Ducks and the Georgia Bulldogs. This was against the lowly going into the game, the last place West Virginia Mountaineers who had just lost to Iowa state the week prior. So I'm with you, man, no excuses anymore. Like this team just laid a complete egg offensively. And I I don't know what you, what you can really gain from that other than Eric Gray was really good. The offensive line was really good, but what do you hang your hat on? Otherwise, like they were really good and they still lost. Well, I think, you know, the mark of a team that's struggling, right? A bad team is we thought we had a couple of things defined about this team. We thought the defense was a work in progress. And look, uh, we'll talk more in detail about the defense in just a moment. Garrett Green coming in to save the day for West Virginia obviously is problematic. Oh, you didn't do a good enough job on him uh, in the second half, right? Letting him run for 119 and throw for a buck 38 he wound up being the player of the game i think it's easy to say just across the board he's he's the reason west virginia won this game right so there's blame to be laid at the feet of the defense but for a defense man that uh frankly we kind of have been describing as bad throughout and they've been bad throughout large portions of this season that's been an ineffective defense right that has a ton of problems doesn't really rush the quarterback well uh really struggles mightily against the run What do they do? They put a half together where they hold West Virginia to just six points and Oklahoma's offense. What was, uh, what did the drives charts look like for West Virginia in the first half? Okay. Here's what it looked like for West Virginia in half number one. Okay. Interception, punt, 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 fumble, punt. And then uh, the touchdown right before half. So if I had told you again, that Oklahoma defensively was going to give you interception, punt, 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 fumble, punt. I mean, you would have thought, oh, man, Oklahoma's got a chance in this game to be leading by three, four scores at halftime with that offense uh, going the way that it's gone for the majority of the season. But, again, the mark of a team that's struggling, the mark of a bad team is Oklahoma's incapable of playing complimentary football right now, John. And the group that's been good for Oklahoma, which is its offense, 
just flat out couldn't deliver on a day that finally the units that the unit that struggled mightily all season puts together that kind of half for you. It's uh, just so frustrating in that regard. Yeah. Oklahoma's offense was one for 11 on third down. I mean, it doesn't matter if you win the turnover battle, which Oklahoma did two nothing. If you go one for 11 on third down, I mean, that's about as bad as turning the football over punts are basically turnovers. You give the ball back and that offense has a chance to, to do something with it. Uh, just really disappointing. It was really disappointing looking at Dylan Gabriel's throw chart from pro football focus. And he was just two of eight on throws more than 10 yards down the field. It's got to be better. It has to be better than that. I don't care what the conditions are. You've got to be better. And that's really what it comes down to. We can, and we'll talk about the defense. It didn't, it wasn't great. Uh, in you know, the end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter, they had their issues, but the defense gave Oklahoma a chance to win this football game through the first two and a half, nearly three quarters of this game. And Oklahoma's offense couldn't capitalize. They really couldn't. They had more than enough opportunities. They had big plays down the field that, I mean, there's the drop by Marvin Mims. There's the wide open Marvin Mims that who knows, probably would have gone untouched for a huge play down the field. I mean, there's Eric Gray's big running game. What else could you ask for that kind of a, in that kind of a performance? I mean, that's a game that you should have probably been up 30, you know, or 28 to six at halftime or something like that with the way your defense was playing and with the big plays that you had opportunities to hit, but just weren't able to capitalize on. So really just an underwhelming performance from the offense. And I think they, you know, Jeff Levy himself has got to go and ask some questions about his schematic, you know, his plan. I, I, yes, some of it's on the players, but I feel like the coaching staff needs to kind of put them in positions at times to, to be a little bit better. Again, this was a West Virginia team that was ranked 118th in pass defense. Were there plays that could have been made? Absolutely. But I felt like once those plays weren't hitting, they didn't go back to them. It's like, Oh, Marvin Mims dropped the ball here. Dylan missed a wide open throw here. I guess we can't really throw those deep balls anymore. We just got to have to lay back and, and call a conservative game plan is what I felt like it happened. Um, second quarter on is it felt like, okay, he, he just really pulled back the reins and, and didn't let the offense just be, but I mean, some of that could have been conditions that he was, you know, he was concerned about the, the rain. I, I get that, but at some point you're going to have to, you got to try to manufacture something down the field so that you can open things up a little bit in the passing game. Cause West Virginia just started sitting everybody in the box defensively. You're not going to be able to really do much effectively within 10 yards. If you got eight guys in the box, it's just not going to happen. So we'll talk about the defense here. We'll have more takeaways from this game as well. Uh, but first let me talk to you about upside. Hey, this is a time when everybody is looking to cut back. Inflation has gotten everybody in the checkbook, in the bank account. It's hitting everybody right now. So whether it's driving less, dining out less, or buying less from the grocery store, we can all agree that there's nothing fun about less. That's why we recommend using Upside. It's an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines, dines out with Upside. You don't have to cut back because you can get cash back on every single purchase. You go to the gas station, you fill up with a tank of gas, you enter it in the Upside app, and you can get cash back. So to get started, download the free Upside app, use our promo code LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, you can claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside, check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back 
with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. So download the free Upside app and use the promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. And thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. So, so subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And also check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast for your second listen. Josh, let's talk defense. Because like I mentioned before, for two and a half quarters, I felt like the defense played pretty good football. They did. Yeah, well, you know, I just don't know that you're going to get much better out of this defense right here, right now in 2022 I can look at it and look at it with you and say you know what they they had every opportunity in the second half to go close this game and help win this football game for Oklahoma and you know Oklahoma did get what back in front 20 to 13 so you you had the touchdown for Gray and then the two-point conversion that Gabriel ran in and the defense that had played so well right go win the game but Oklahoma its defense wasn't able to do that. The uh, final six drives for West Virginia, three of those, and that this book ends with the final drive of the first half for uh, West Virginia. So three of those touchdown drives and another one, a field goal drive. Having said that, John, I mean, again, there's, there's a couple of punts that the defense forced in there, and I'm looking at the second-to-last possession where Oklahoma's defense comes up with a stop, three and out, get the football back, and uh, what happens to Oklahoma? They they drive down and they they miss a field goal. So, look, uh, it wasn't good enough for Oklahoma's defense. Clearly, right? You wind up losing the football game, and you wind up losing the football game because of for the final six drives for West Virginia wind up netting points for the Mountaineers. So, as much good as there was, it wasn't good enough to close the game. And yet, I can't come away from the game altogether that upset with the defense. I know that they didn't come away with enough stomps in the winning moments of the football game, John, but this game was about the offense's failures in the first half. Yeah, I agree. I, I look at this and I think the defense did enough for this team to win down the stretch. Yeah. They, they could have made more plays. They could have slowed down Garrett green. I felt like Ted roof could have laid on the stayed on the blitz with a, a little bit more. I feel like he dropped guys in the coverage, especially on that fourth and 10 that they converted after the, the picked up personal foul call. Don't get me started. I felt like laying back on that when it was pretty clear that Garrett Green was having a hard time picking up the blitz or being effective against the blitz, unless it was like a 50-50 YOLO ball. Letting him just kind of sit back in the pocket and have time to like look around, it, it really wasn't for Oklahoma, it, and it hurt their defense. So, yeah, it's the rest of the way and going into next year, they're going to have to figure out how can they stop dual-threat quarterbacks. Because it's been a problem all season long, right? Adrian Martinez lit him up. Max Duggan did the same thing. And then, I mean, Jason Bean, not, I mean, he didn't really have an effective game running the football, but that's not really his game. He's kind of more of a scrambler, but he's more of a passer. Um, and then, you know, Quinn Ewers isn't really a runner. And Hunter Deckers, I mean, he can beat you with his legs, but he didn't have the most effective game and also turned the ball over a few times. So, They've got to really look at that because Garrett Green just kind of did what he wanted to. And he was, he played tough in tough situations and tough moments, like bouncing off tacklers. I remember there's one play. I mean, of Danny Stutzman had a great game, 
But there was a, a key moment late in the game where Danny Stutzman met Garrett Green in the hole and he just bounced him off, bounced off him uh, and picked up a first down. And, you know, again, I don't want to take anything away from the day that Stutzman had because he was a big part of D- Oklahoma's defensive effort in the first half. But that one play was just kind of a microcosm of, of how well Garrett Green played in the second half to help lead West Virginia to the win. It, it was just a kind of an unfortunate, you know, series of circumstances that they weren't able to get those stops again, West Virginia, their, their wide receivers made a couple really, really nice plays on 50, 50 balls. I mean, Woody Washington got beat in the out, in the end zone on one. And then um, I think it was Trey Morrison that got beat on the sideline on a wheel route as well, or a corner route. I can't remember exactly what it was, but you know, two really competitive plays that Oklahoma had a chance to, to make a play on, but we couldn't come up with it. Uh, credit to West Virginia for making the plays in those situations. But yeah, it, it comes down to not being able to make enough plays. But I, I do think it was like at least some promising signs from the defense. You know, this was a West Virginia offense just a few weeks before had scored 43 on Baylor. I know I've talked about that a ton. Like that matters. Like they scored 43 against Baylor at home. And that was with JT Daniels, at quarterback. This defense ran JT Daniels out of the game. Like they tried to put him back in at the start of the second half. JT Daniels couldn't hang. He could not hang with what Oklahoma was trying to do defensively. So they had to go back to Garrett Green. So to me, that's at least like some positive steps in the right direction. Now, if they can figure out how to better defend running quarterbacks, then I'll feel a lot better about it moving forward. But it's just a, it's a whole team, the defense included, the offense included, that needs work. And they need to continue to build that talent base because it's just not quite there yet. Yeah, I think across the board, you got to get better. Namely, defensive, you know, edge guys, defensive ends, and the interior of the defensive line, right? Forcing uh, a quarterback to get contained in the pocket, to not be able to to break contain. Linebackers probably got to get better in that regard, right? Uh, Against a quarterback run game. But at least there was some promise for the first time from – Danny Stutzman in a while. So if you're looking at positives to take from this game, that's definitely one of them. And then just in general, I think the fact that Oklahoma did play a a good half defensively, they played one bad half defensively and they played one good half defensively. And the fact that they were able to play one good half defensively, you're hoping now that there's a carryover effect, right? That for Bedlam, you can turn that into three good defensive quarters instead of just the two, right? And then boom, same thing versus Texas Tech. Uh, At this point, I mean, outside of just trying to get into, uh, you know, get that sixth win, John, and get into a bowl game, which at this point is important, right, for this team. I I mean, they they need uh, as much practice as as they can get. They need as much time, the young guys, especially with this coaching staff, as they can get. So just trying to find a way to to get into bowl eligibility, that that, – Eighth win is going to be huge for this team. And hopefully there are some positives that continue to carry over with this defense. We have to talk about the field goal decision, uh, where you kind of sit with it. I know that that was a a bit of a point of contention. Uh, That would not be, John, I don't think uh, any Oklahoma fans Nissan thrilling moment of the week, which, oh, by the way, uh, every week, the thrilling moment in college football in Oklahoma Sooner football presented to us by Nissan, the thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan, they're intended to empower drivers and vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the football field for this week's Sooner Thrilling Moment, it's got to be, just got to be Eric Gray in general, I think, right? I mean, that would be the the big takeaway for Oklahoma. It's uh, 
we, we didn't really talk about this on the offensive side, John, but man, 25 carries and probably you could have given him 10 more or just given uh, Javante Barnes, you know, five of those rushes that instead turned into nine Dylan Gabriel rushes, right? I mean, sometimes offensively for Oklahoma, just feed Eric Gray, just feed Javante Barnes. Both of those two guys were really running it well, but Eric Gray individually, 25 carries, 211 yards, two touchdowns. And on a day where, again, he had 25 totes, I don't think it would have hurt any Oklahoma fans' feelings if he had 10 or 15 more totes. So this uh, segment, it's the Nissan Thrilling Moment. It's been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier Armada or Pathfinder today, available now at NissanUSA.com. The 46-yard field goal at the end of the game, wrong decision, right decision, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. Where are you at with it? So I like to look at things within the context of the game. Um, Oklahoma was struggling to convert in got to have a first down situations. I mean, they were one of 11 in the game on third down. They were 0 for 2 on fourth down. It That late in the game, with the way that your defense had played at times throughout, I don't hate the decision. Generally, I'm a let's go for it. Let's go try to win the game kind of a guy. Let's, you know, not put especially this defense, let's not put, you know, the game in their hands. But that should be a makeable kick for Zach Schmidt. The 50, you know, the 50 yarder, okay, that's one thing. Like I could I, I almost think you probably need to just punt if it's beyond 50 because he doesn't seem to have the leg for 50 plus. But a 43 yarder, like he's been pretty good this year and just hit that one just a little bit off again, conditions like the conditions matter. But I mean, if that one's just a little bit further inside, that's a make and you're up three with under what a few minutes, just a few minutes left to play in the game. Um, I can't remember exactly what the time frame was, but I you're up three with six 30 to play. So there's plenty of time still for West Virginia to do something, but they got to play with a little bit more sense of urgency. Like they don't have, they can't sit there and just like play for the field goal. They got to play either, to get a touchdown because they're not going to play to tie. Like the way Neil Brown was coaching that game, they were playing with nothing to lose, like going forward on fourth and 10 or fourth and seven or more several times. Um, yeah. I mean, it, I think hindsight's a little bit 2020 on that. You're never, I feel like a coach is never going to be a hundred percent. Right. I felt like for the most part, the decision-making was fairly good from Brent Venables. It's just the team struggled to execute all day long whether it was third down, whether it was in the passing game, whether it was on the field goal situation, it just was a team that really struggled to execute. And again, I go back to the way that the defense was playing. I felt like there were times and moments where it's look, it looked like maybe they could have gotten a stop, but there was a penalty or, you know, we didn't even talk about the one that got picked up very much, but they were just so close to getting that stop and getting off the field and just, couldn't make the play. Uh, so I don't necessarily fault Brent Venables for kicking in that situation. I think it's kind of a coin flip at that point, but you get an opportunity to get points when your offense is struggling. I say, take it, especially, I think it was earlier on a different drive where they had a third and three and they gave it to Eric gray and he got stuffed. Like the running game got stuffed. And so you kind of take all those things into consideration. Yeah. Eric gray was running well. The offensive line was playing well, but there were still several plays where Eric Gray was getting hit in the backfield in this game. It was right before that missed field goal. I'm looking okay, at the, there uh, it is. 
the the play by play as we speak. The the that drive just uh, I guess to break down the the full missed field goal drive. Eight plays, forty seven yards. Eric Gray run of five. Eric Gray run of five. Eric Gray run for six. Eric Gray run for twenty four. Javante Barnes run for two. Javante Barnes run for five. Eric Gray run for no gain. Missed field goal. So I don't know. I mean, they ran every single play on that drive. And I, you know, given the way the game played out, I it's hard for me to sit here and tell you that running Eric Gray on third down and three was in any way, shape, or form the wrong decision. I've got plenty of gripes with Jeff Levy's play calling. It seems like right now it's pretty much run, run, wide receiver end around, wide receiver screen, deep ball. But other than that, I mean, that was the one drive to where it's like, you know, let's do what we've been successful at today, which is turning and running, you know, turning and handing off and running with our running backs. They did that. West Virginia was up to the task on third down and three. So a lot of times if you run on a third down and three, right, it means, hey, two down territory. Mm -hmm. You're not dropping back to throw it on that third down and three distance. It means that, hey, we're content with running here. And if we get nothing, we're going on fourth and three. Obviously, uh, Oklahoma didn't take that sequencing approach, tried the 46-yarder and missed. So, I don't know. I mean, obviously, the right decision would have been going for it if you get it. If you go for it and you don't get it, then everybody's going to say, what, John? They're going to say, hey, uh, what you mentioned earlier, you're 1 for 11 on third down, you're 0 for 2 on fourth down. Why the heck didn't you try kicking the field goal? Yeah, you're, you're Brent Venables. You're in kind of a – it's a lose-lose situation. Um, I, I would not have hated if he, if, he went, if he had gone for it and they missed – I don't hate that he kicked it and missed again. A lot goes into that decision. And a lot of it has to do with how the team's performing. And the offense just really wasn't performing consistently throughout the game. Eric Gray was your best player and was playing great football. But at that point, I mean, that was his 25th carry of the game, his 29th touch of the game a week after having 31 touches against, um, against Baylor. And so eventually like that, I mean, it's wear and tear. It happens like it on a cold day, in Morgantown, on the road, your 25th carry, your 29th touch, and the offensive line just just got beat. Like West Virginia was sitting on it; they were expecting it. I mean, if anything, that's the time where you go play action a little bit because all you've done is run the ball. Uh, and so, if I have anything, any complaint, really, it's like you didn't take the opportunity either on like second down and try and run a little play action when all you've done is run, 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 run they're expecting you to continue to run because it's been effective. That's when you hit them with a little play action. But I also see like, if you don't hit, if you don't complete the pass, then you're sitting at third and seven. And then you have a much more difficult make there. So I don't know. It, it's tough, man. It's, it's a tough job being an offensive play caller. I, I would have liked to see a little bit of diversity, I guess, um, in the play calling, just stuff that, that built on one, one built upon each other. Like Eric Gray's running the football really, really well. So you should run play action a ton. Like play action should kind of be the bread and butter at that point. Um, but if I can pull it up real quick, um, I don't know how often they ran it, but I'm seeing if I can find it over at Pro Football Focus. Um, so they ran play action on just 26% of his dropbacks yesterday. Um so he was five of eight for 43 yards, 5.4 yards per attempt on play action on no and completing 62.5% of his passes on no play action, just 57.9%. Uh, 
um, 11 of 19 for 142 yards, seven and a half yards per attempt. I'm guessing that, you know, the big play, uh, to, to Marvin Mims was part of that no play action. Um, and so that kind of skews things a little bit when it was kind of a busted play and they just had scramble drill going and, and Mims was able to get behind him and, and make the play. So I would have liked to see more play action because I mean, if you're, if you've established the run and really the data pretty much shows like play action is more effective than no play action because the misdirection forces the defense to be accountable to the running back. But especially when your running back is playing as well as he's playing and the offensive line is playing as well as they're playing, you should be more effective running play action because they have to uh, certainly account for the running back. So if I have a quab, if I have a, a gripe here with Jeff Levy is not running enough play action because the running back was super effective. It was the, probably the more effective way of running your offense. So they just kind of, I feel like they left some things on the table and, and by not running play action more. Yeah. And I would just say, agree with everything you're saying. All of that makes perfect sense to me. I can't believe they only did that a quarter of their dropbacks. I mean, if those numbers are right, that is shocking, shocking that Eric Gray would, you know, carry 25 times, be as good as he was. What were his uh, final statistical numbers per carry? I mean, it had to be great. Uh, 8.4 per carry, which is right about, you know, kind of what he's been doing. I mean, for him to have the kind of day that he had, and you're telling me a quarter of the time they're running play action, just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, for me, when I say run, run, wide receiver end around, wide receiver screen, deep ball, I just feel like I'm highly disappointed in what we've gotten overall from the Jeff Levy offensive experience. I really, you know, based on what the numbers looked like for him coming out of UCF and coming out of Ole Miss, man, uh, I, I would have thought that this was somebody that, you know, adjusted on the fly a little bit better than I think he has. If anything, I mean, I come away from these games watching him, John, and it just feels like, oh, you so predictable offensively and what they're going to be doing. It's the same thing every week. Again, Run, run, wide receiver end around, wide receiver screen, deep ball. I mean, there's nothing else to it. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. One one person asked me on Twitter, he, he asked, like, when was the last time Jeff Levy called a pass over the middle of the field? And, I mean, last week they did, and there was the Braden Willis, I got interfered with, but nobody called it pass play that led to an interception. But I don't remember them throwing many over the middle of the field. It's like all boundary stuff. It's all like – these safe wide receiver screens. Again, Dylan Gabriel was just two of eight on throws, 10 yards or more down the field. That's got to be better. Um, you know, real quick back to Eric Gray. You talked about the 211 yards rushing, the 8.4 yards per carry. He had 87 yards after contact, averaging 3.48 yards per attempt after contact. He had 10 runs of, or sorry, six runs of 10 yards or more and three runs of 15 yards or more. Eric Gray himself accounted for 11 first downs in the game. What would this offense have looked like without Eric Gray's performance? Because while Javante Barnes had five carries for 25 yards, it wasn't as effective as Eric Gray's performance. So kudos to Eric Gray. We'll end it on a high note on today's episode of Locked On Seniors, but we'll have more to say about this game. And as we get ready for Bedlam, which will be in prime time once again on ABC at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. So uh, until then, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. Enjoy some college basketball this week. Men's and women's will be tipping off this week as well. Not tipping off, but they'll be having games this week. So enjoy some of that. The women are looking really, really good so far, especially when they're shooting their three ball well, like they did on Friday night or Friday morning, I guess I should say, when they hit 60.4% of their threes. Um, and only Taylor Robinson only took three. So like that was kind of surprising, actually. Uh, anyway, 
basketball talk. We got you also uh, all season long. Um, but then this is a terrible exit to the show, Josh. I'm just going to say bye. Take it easy, everybody.